The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. It is me, Rosie O'Donnell. How are you? Today is Monday, uh, even though we're dropping this on Tuesday. Let's talk about today, Monday, October 2nd. Donald Trump is on trial in New York for his fraud cases. And um, it's already been decided that he can't do business in New York anymore. And uh, he's in big trouble. He's like cornered. He's cornered like a rat, you know? And, um, I just hope that finally this will be enough to convince people of his true essence. And uh, it's been too long that this has been going on. It, it really has. Uh, we, enough is what I have to say. Enough. And speaking of enough, that's the Cassidy Hutchinson book. And it's fantastic. It's so well written. It's so honest and it is so brave. I've seen her on her interviews. She was amazing with Rachel Maddow. She was wonderful on every show that she did. And uh, I encourage you to buy that book, Enough, by Cassidy Hutchinson. And, you know, that's what I feel about Donald. We've had enough of you, okay? (laughs) We've had enough of you. I started it on the plane. I was in New York for the weekend and uh, got to see two of my kiddos. I was in New York helping my future daughter-in-law choose her wedding dress and also taking Blake to get his tuxedo. But I have to tell you, the place we went to in New Jersey was so gorgeous. It was like the set of Say Yes to the Dress. But it was just so fun. The whole thing was so fun. And I'm getting so excited about the wedding and So my buddy Judy Gold is here, and I love and adore her. She is a writer and an actress and a um, 
mom and a wife and a playwright. And she's, she's amazing. She's amazing. She really is. And uh, I know you're going to love her. She's a big proponent, as am I, of ending the Screen Actors Guild after strike of, of the AMPTP coming up with a fair deal so that we all can get back to work. Negotiations begin right now, today, for, um, for settling the strike. So I'm wishing luck to our side, of course, the Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA, and hope that we get a deal just like the Writers Guild did. So onward, onward, and good for that. Judy Gold, here she comes. Hello, Judy Gold. Rosie, thank you for having me. Don't be silly. It's been too long. I haven't seen you in like, you know, six months, eight months. I know. How long? I How don't you know. Doing? You're, in, you're in the Los Angeles area, mm-hmm. which you seem to really enjoy. You know, Judy, I can tell you this. The seasonal affect depression, which I definitely have in New York from November until March. Yeah. It's a struggle to survive for me. And yeah. I used to always fly down to Florida because I had a place there for so yep. long. Yeah. And without that option, uh, you know, New York is a very tough thing on my mental health. I I hear you 150%. I've realized as I've gotten older, you know, I need sunlight. Yes. I need to go for a walk. I don't need to be cooped up. Because mm-hmm. it's freezing and it, you know, it gets dark at five o'clock in the afternoon. It seems like a lot of times New York wins, you know, like I'm spending my day battling, you know, and New York more often than when I'm here, do I ever feel like, okay, today the city won. You know, sometimes right, when, I right. li- when I lived in Malibu and the PCH traffic was was really backed up, I thought to myself, this is hell on earth, you know, but then you walked in your house and your backyard's the Pacific Ocean. It was right. It was a dreamy rental for one year. Okay, we all don't have that, the Pacific Ocean in our backyard. Believe me, honey, I know. But if I did, I would take advantage of it just like you do. Yeah, yeah. How are the kids? So the kids are good. Um, ben is senior, senior year in college at Trinity. He's mm-hmm. the captain of the basketball team, and they're recruiting him to play professional in Israel. Can you in believe Israel, that? no. Is he excited beyond words? Is he yes, first of all, he's yes. the tallest Jewish person I've ever seen. Yeah, he's gigantic. He works so hard. He reminds me of when I started doing stand-up and I was so like, I'm gonna you were I'm focused. gonna be the, yes, focus, focus, focus. And he's exactly like that. He goes to the gym three times a day. He it's all he thinks about. He stares at himself in the mirror all the time. Now, Judy, for those of you who <laughs> don't know. Uh, is is the mother of two boys, two very Henry wonderful, yes. yes, wonderful boys that I've known since they were born. And it's very wild to see them now as grown adult humans. I don't know if you feel that way when you see my kids. Oh, I mean, yeah. Oh how my long God. has it been since you've seen Parker? Well, one of my, it's been a while, but I will never forget when you had Parker. He, he was... A teeny little baby, yeah, week preemie. old. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I came over. It was he was the cutest. Yeah, he was the, like, and 
you know, you don't realize how young you are. I mean, Correct. we were such little babies with I babies. Know. I know when you look at the pictures and, and, you know, I was 33 when I adopted him. Right. That's, you know, that's a pretty good age for mothering to start. That's kind I, of, I agree. I yeah. agree. It should be in and the 30s. Yeah. Should be in the 30s. Never in the 20s, I would say. But I know people who had kids in the 20s and they're very happy now that their children are completely settled and there's grandbabies and they're still young enough to. Right. You know, so there's there's something to be said for that as well. But I, I have found at least this go round because, you know, Dakota, I have a, a 10 year old and I'm 62 right. almost. And um, I am a different parent to her than I was to them because I was working. I was so busy. Right. You know, and uh, because she has autism also, there's there's more uh, guidance and, and hands-on communication needed. You know, it's a communication disorder. So the goal to do 24-7 is communicate, get right. in their world. But, you, you know, know, that's what you do for a living is communicate. Right. So... Well, you're you right, know. I guess. Yeah. You, I never thought but, of that. Well, I'm here to tell you. And <laughs> yeah, it's so, I know my ex, Sharon, now has two-year-old twins. Are you kidding me? No. And she's like, oh, it's a whole different experience. I'm like, I don't want two-year-old twins. Now, see, I would. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's weird. You know, my cousin just had a baby. She happens to live here and she's from England. And so, you know, she's like my second cousin. And I went over there and for one Sunday, I had like four hours of holding a two-week-old. And it was the happiest. And you loved two- it. It was the happiest hours of my whole last year. Like driving home, I had this, you know, what must be dopamine drop. Release, right, right. Serotonin. Like it, it hits every single lotto number in my brain and heart. To hold an infant. But then you have you know what's ahead. Well, like that's you're the truth. in the midst of this stuff with schools and all this stuff, you know, that there's it's a lot of responsibility. Well, I never really thought because, you know, we we were parented maybe till my mom died, you know, I guess right. 73. So I never watched a kid push away from their parents for independence. So the fact that I never saw that when my right. kids did it, I you remember, Judy, I was crying. Yeah. I was crying that Parker didn't want to go to the movies with me right. anymore. I was <laughs> I took him to therapy and and he told the doctor, Can you adjust her medication? No way. He totally did. And and then I realized he's probably right. This is inappropriate behavior from me. Right. I shouldn't, you know, want to, uh, you know, met. I mean, listen, it, it was the biggest love affair of my life. Of course. Ha- having a child. And I think it is for every mom and dad. It changes your whole existence. Oh, everything. It, and it's, everything's not about you. I remember, so I always took the kids to the projects to play basketball because mm-hmm. I wanted them to learn streetball because I thought it was like the best education yes. in everything and negotiating and, and Now, is every- this because you knew they were going to be tall and because you're tall and everyone well, always said- Well, I, I was always like active and athletic, but not skilled, but I love play. I love to play outside. Even right. up to, like I play tennis every day. Like I, I think playing is so important yes. to be, and, and no matter what age you are. So I used to take them- to the basketball courts, we would go to Central Park with our mitts and our and our um, and our bat and our softball and just 
gather kids, you know. And I remember one day we're walking over to the basketball courts, me, Henry, and Ben. And on the way there, Henry must have been like 11 or something. And he's like, uh, FYI, you're not playing with us anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just, mommy, you can watch, but you're not playing with us. It's inappropriate. So I was like, oh my God, I can't. So we get to the projects and all the kids were like, why aren't you letting your mother play? So it was, it was great. But right, right. Yes, you got, but it you was gotta the come same. up and yeah. Yeah. But it was the same thing. He's like, okay, now, no. Right. You know, and you're like, oh. <laughs> it's not like you don't get it. Right. It's like you get it, but it's like, do you have to be so mean? I know, they get mean, but they have to to separate. Right, right. It's like, you know, I mean, it, now it's four kids I've gone through it, and now I have one more to go. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I think that it, you mellow out as a parent as you get older. That's you know. what, well, I had older parents, but I wouldn't say my mother was mellow. <laughs> no, I miss your mother. I have to tell oh you. Oh my that. God. She, I miss you doing the impressions of her. Oh, oh she was I miss the, the best. stories of her in the home. Uh, she was, and yesterday was her birthday. Oh, wow. She would have been 101. No uh, kidding. It's, yeah, it's really, I mean, you lost your mom so young. Right. And then, you know, I felt, I always felt lucky that I had my mother until I, you know, 2015. So I was, I don't even know right, how old right. I was. Um, but you still, I still go to call her. I want to tell her stuff. Right. Like you, it doesn't ever, and, and my father dropped dead when I was 27. I still, every day, there's not a day that goes by. Do you still think about your mother? Totally. Every day, every day, I, right? Well, when I look and I see someone in the mall who could be around the right. age that she would be, and they have an Irish face, and you know, right. I have a moment of <gasps> because, like, as a kid, I think I used to dream, you know, that that she was uh, kidnapped because Patty Hearst was kidnapped. The same right, time. right, right, right. So I used to think she was going to come back, or when I was a kid playing basketball in high school, I think she's going to come to this game and she's going to be dressed in disguise. And I'd look around, you know, while, oh. while I was sitting on the bench to try to find her. I think we're still searching for our moms, you know, after oh. they they go, after they're gone, you know. Absolutely. Did you? What happened when you reached the age she was when yes. she died? Yes. Was that like a profound? That was thing? the year I retired from my show. Wow. Yeah, my mom died at 39, and I had just turned 40. And I said, it's time to live the years that she didn't get to live as a mom. She didn't get to do, you know, birthday cupcakes for the fifth grade. She didn't right. get to do all of the coaching of a team or, you know, showing up at your kid's sports events. So right. I really, I loved the years that I did that full time and and, you know, I mean, with help, of course, and, and an ex-wife. So it's not like I was, um, you know, alone doing it. I was I'm very fortunate and, and very privileged. And I get that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Now, you were still on the show when we went off, right? You were still. No, were I was I was the first two seasons. Oh, first I two? That's that. It. Can I tell you, I used to think, I remember, first of all, that some of the happiest years of my life. Yes. Um, and I remember thinking, if these people, because you really, really changed television, and mm. and you also elevated Broadway to a level that 
you know, you you really were responsible for Broadway coming back. And but I remember thinking, especially in the morning when we'd go rehearse or set something up for something, if these people in America who are batshit crazy over this show, right. if they knew that the whole staff is a bunch of gay or nerdy or just <laughs> theater kids. Theater geeks all around. All, the whole staff. Yes. And if they had known, you know, I wonder what, I mean, the fact that when you came out that people were like, oh, I had no idea. It's like, how are you living under a rock? I know. I thought, how do they have no idea? I don't right. get how they have. First of all, I'm like a mask presenting lesbian. You know, I'm like oh, a tough, yeah. I'm like a tomboy lesbian. I'm a standard issue, played all the sports in high school <laughs> lesbian. You know, and when we get older, we cut our hair short. And, right. Uh, you know, we live our true selves. But uh, sometimes I look back on, or somebody will die and they'll put up, you know, Bob Barker, yeah. you know, on the show. And, and I think to myself, God, look at how young I was. Right. Look at how young I was. Like, I couldn't imagine that I was doing all that, having and adopting children, taking in foster kids, doing a Broadway show, too. It was like a, a year of mania, you it know? Was, yeah, it's incredible. And you don't think you're young when you're doing it. Right, at all. Especially having kids, right? We think, you know, oh, sure, let's try it. You know, 33. Like, I, I remember I just wanted enough money that I could have help. Right. Because I didn't, I adopted him on, on my own. Right. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to have to be away from him. I wanted to wait until right. I had enough money to take care of and, him. And people should know that when Henry was born, you said to me, you're not, you don't want to go on the road. Send me some jokes and we'll get you a writer, writing job. And yeah. that, that was, that. I mean, I got to be with him. Yes. Because of you. Yes. Well, I was I knew what was important. Yeah. And and I knew what my, you know, life. I mean, I, I've been lucky. When you when you suffer a loss like a mother at 10, you know, Ugh. you get kind of a a different perspective on what's important, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And and Hope Edelman, who I'm gonna have lunch with later this week, uh, because I met a, a woman, Meredith, who also was really helped by her book. She's the one who talks about mother loss. Right. And yeah. And, um, you know, she helped me so much get through a, a lot of this stuff. Uh, now, I don't remember what, what the original question was. How bad is that? Oh, my God. that Rosie, that's every fucking minute of my life. I know. It's so hard, isn't it? It's sometimes I'm talking to people and I'm like, wait, what's your name again? Like, it is so awful. We'll be right back with Judy Gold. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. 
Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. So, uh, Judy, tell everybody the story about when your partner Sharon and you decided to have a baby and you were roommates and that's I what knew you, that you I, knew I know you but were I, I can't I can't I have to have you do it it's my favorite okay. bit of yours so um you know my mother didn't want her friends to know so she would tell people Judith's roommate had a baby and then Judith adopted it <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Ma, we were splitting the rent. And I was like, oh, I should probably pay for half of that kit. Judith's roommate, she was walking down the street. There was some hypodermic needle flying around. It happened to have sperm in it, landed in her vagina. She had a baby. And then Judith adopted, adopted the baby. Adopted the baby. <laughs> but you know when so many people found out, because she didn't tell her friends, was when Henry was Madonna's baby. Yes. On, on the show, and you said, okay, that's not your baby. And then I came up and took Henry back, and everyone was like calling my mother going, I didn't know Judith has a baby. Oh, I my know God. Judith. I blew it. I didn't know that. No, I blew I'm it. I'm so glad because I was like, Ma, what the fuck? You have friends whose kids are gay. Well, if they don't bring it up, I'm not going to bring it up. I'm going to bring it up. <laughs> I loved her. What a character to grow up with. I what know. A, right? And she always stuck up for herself or any underling. You mm. know? Like, she would always write letters um, she never, you know, I remember <laughs> my sister told me that Angela Lansbury tried to cut in front of her at Saks Fifth Avenue and she said something to her like, no, um, <laughs> but that is so my mother. But then on the other hand, I lived five houses down from our elementary school, literally five houses. Mm -hmm. And anytime there was some weather emergency, like, you know, a huge <laughs> snowstorm or a tornado warning, whatever. I'd be sitting in class first uh, over the loudspeaker. Judith Gold, please come to the office. <laughs> I'm like, I can see my house. Yes. 
and my mother is here. And not, like there were kids that lived far away. <laughs> Whatever. So funny. Did she bring you boots to put on? Did she play <laughs> Judith Gold, please come to the office? Yes, too funny. Uh-huh. Too funny. How was how was it now that it's been got almost 10 years since she's been gone? How how did it affect you? Did you go in a funk right after? Well, you? I, you know, here's the thing. I my parents were older, as I said, and I always I always had this fear because my brother said to me when I was uh, younger, you know, they're old and you're not going to have them as long. So you can't fight with them and whatever. But um, I had always been emotionally preparing for it Mm -hmm. um, and thinking about it. So, you know, at the very end, she was really had no quality of life. So, Every time the phone rang, I thought, oh, no, oh, no. And there was this, there was a sort of, like, I. she was a huge part of my act. She was depressed. She was a very depressed uh, person, and I was always trying to make her feel better. And so, after she died, there was this lift off my, Mm. and I was like, I can focus on me. Like I had never just focused on myself before. Right. And so it was a free, it was, I felt freer. Um, and so the, it wasn't, it was, and I, you know, of course I miss her and I want to talk to her, but she wasn't living. She didn't have, you know, it wasn't living What by the end. And, um, and I feel like, like, when I think of you, like, I had her for a long time. Mm. She was such a huge part of me and my act. And when she died, so many people wrote to me, like, I felt like I knew your mother through your act. Exactly. She was the funny. And so I feel like, you know, I kept her alive that way. And I'll still do jokes about her. I still write jokes and I'll put her in if, if you know, it's funnier. And... You know, it's part of life. It's part, it's part of, life. of life. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, our all of our friends, all of my friends, you know, you, uh, they all had to deal with the saying goodbye to the parent. Right. You know, and, but a, a lot of them told me, especially with dementia and all of that kind of stuff, that you lose them piece by piece. So right. it, it wasn't like, you know, they're just suddenly gone. You you watch them kind of float it's, away. It's like, it's so interesting because even when you expect it, when it happens, you're still like, what? Mm-hmm. And I remember Joan Rivers, I'm in Provincetown and she was performing at Town Hall in Provincetown. This is a year before my mother died. And, sh- and I went, she's like, come hang out with me. And I went and hung out with her in between shows. I went to see her and then we hung out in between shows. She had another show. And she's like, how are you? And I was like, oh, my mother's really sick. And she's and and sh- she's probably going to die soon, even though Joan died before my mother, which was awful. Um, right. And she said to me, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how old she is. It doesn't matter if you ex- or you expect it or not. It's it's the worst. It, it's gonna, it doesn't it's take matter. you out. Yeah, it's gonna it's, take it'll you take out. you out. So what do you think about the strike, Judy Gold? I'm in total solidarity with the strike. Me too. And I feel like, you know, you make billions and billions and billions of dollars. Yes. Over stuff that we thought of and we created. And yet 
I have to check to make sure I'm eligible for health insurance. Mm -hmm. and, and like, um, I'm getting residual checks for one penny. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It, it, well, it's like they change the whole equation by which we right. do business without telling us. And right. when we went, well, so you're just not going to go to network TV with residuals and all of those things that we live on in order to be a, a working actor in, uh, right. in the, you know, the country, a working writer. And they changed the equation and cut us out. And, and how do they expect us to feel valued or a participatory well, right. part of it? It used to be you'd get a job on a show and you were set for the year or the season right. or whatever. Right. We should be entitled, we as, as actors and, and writers, to a percentage of each subscription on Netflix. I don't know if it's uh, 10 right. cents. Give us 10 cents on every prescription. Give us a quarter on every prescription. A subscription. Not prescriptions. <laughs> <laughs> on every uh, Xanax. No. On every, uh, yeah, you know what I meant. Um, well, I do that and, all the time, yeah. And then with the money, we could shore up the health insurance. We could shore up the help for seniors, the, you know, mental health uh, issues that the, people have. Right. Can you, I mean, how many times do you see, like, on social media, some comic or writer who had an incredible career, and then some medical issue happened to them, and they have nothing. And everyone is one phone call away from that reality. Right. And it America. shouldn't be like that. Like, it's no. like the whole thing with Mitch McConnell. Okay, he's having these neurological things, but he doesn't have to worry about health insurance. You know? Well, correct. There are definitely two societies in, you right. know, in, in which we are in one or the other, you know, and, and, um, most of the people who get into the upper echelon of earning in the entertainment business are few and far between. Like that's right. what people don't understand. 90 something percent of, of the actors in the union don't make enough money to get insurance. Right. And the background actors, they're going to make like, uh, they're going to take a screenshot take their likeness. Yeah, exactly. And then stick them in every single background scene. It's like they, they thought and not can, pay them and not pay them. How could we really alienate the artists in this equation? And that's what they did. Yeah. It, it, yeah. That's and I thought Fran was amazing. I Wasn't thought she, she was, uh, you know, uh, the, the you know, passion, they can't. They came to me first and said, would you do it? I'm like, are you kidding me? When I argue, I get mean. When I'm upset right. and emotional, I, are you out of your mind? You don't want me negotiating for you, right. trust me. I said, but you know who I think would be fantastic? Fran Drescher. And they're like, do you know her? I'm like, very yeah. well. And I went over and I talked to her and I said, you only got two days to decide. Here's the people. But I think with all of her cancer smancer and lobbying Washington, how articulate, right. how smart she is. And she's so smart, yeah. And she knows it from, you know, inside her souls. You know, she's really something else. And uh, right. we had dinner last night and I said to her, are you oh, aware? I love her. Yeah, I go, are you aware of how many billions of people viewed your speech? She goes, it's right. very, she said, my whole life has changed from that. You know, really? Yes. Yes. Wow. Her whole, her whole life is sort of, you know, they're not arguing. The union had argued for years. There were two different factions like the Democrats and the Republicans. Right. Never the two can meet. Now they're all unified behind her and all the people right. that 
couldn't find a way to everybody get along. They're all getting along and they all credit her, you know. Now, of course, some of the executives are not thrilled with her. Maybe we're forcing them to look, but you know what? To look in a mirror for the first time. Yes, exactly. That's telling the truth. You know, and they probably went to you because comedian, like, there's no, it's not a coincidence that anytime there is like a panel show Mm -hmm. that they have a comedian on because comedians tell the truth, they speak truth to power. Um, They have this weapon called humor where they can make their point and disarm mm-hmm. other people and yes. you know her she she was the per, i mean she was really speaking for everyone yes and, and not I, just I, actors I, everyone who's involved in a and job with she said this is yes, this is for bigger. every union yeah right bigger than us it's bigger than us and you know for us to stay motivated as a union and and connected and unified and right. you know i know it's really hard but but it's now or never the business is then completely owned and operated by a corporate entity and we have no negotiating right. power because basically they've said we're valueless we can be right. replaced it's- by a machine and how are you going to get human pathos what it what it means to be alive in a script from right. something that isn't it's 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 it really it's it really like is a punch in the gut when you're a writer and a performer mm-hmm. that you think you know you go in you pitch to these people and you put you know you put everything into it you know every you know like they don't realize the amount of work people do just to go in and pitch a fucking show and they treat you like please sir i want some more like oliver right and you're the one coming yeah. to them with the gifts, with the... Right, right, right. Yeah, it's very, it's been very uh You know, I was in uh, Mo- Montreal for the Just for Last Festival this year, and I noticed that the people in Canada are in a much better mood than we are. <laughs> yes. Like, and I'm like, oh my God, they don't have to worry about health insurance. No one's like walking down the street. Like I was in the, you know, just for laughs. Like they take takes over all of Montreal. There's tents up. There's people everywhere. Thousands of people. Like I hosted Montclair Pride this year mm-hmm. in New Jersey, yeah. Yeah. and I was like, "What if someone comes with a gun?" Like I'm always. Listen, you should be. We're being hunted and persecuted, and it's uh, right. And it's sanctioned by the government, by morons like DeSantis and our former president. Right. And oh, my all God. Of, all I of his him. lackeys. I mean, what do you think is going to happen with that, Judy? What do you think? 91 indictments. What do you think? I, I mean, first of all, you know this because I've texted you a thousand times. Like, I'm like, okay, this is it. This is it. Like, yeah, I, this I, is I, it. I've been there a hundred times already. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to believe that I just, I what I can't believe is that these people still don't, re- even if you're a Republican, which, you know, when I was a kid, Republicans and Democrats, they weren't that different. I mean, it, was, it wasn't like this person is a horrible person because they're Republican. It was a whole different ideology. But these people are evil, horrible people. And it, it is... The fact that these, that we're, I mean, they've dumbed us down in this country. 
Mm-hmm. Fox News is entertainment news. It is not real news. Right. No one reads local pa- local papers where most of the great reporting comes from. They're dying a slow and a, well a fast death now. Um, it's it's really it's so sad and. And I talk about this in my act now. When you go overseas and you say you're from the United States, they speak to you like you are currently in an abusive relationship. Correct. You know? That's a great analogy. Like, are you okay? How Are you yeah. staying? What's yeah. going on? You know? And it right. used to be like, people were like, oh, I want to come to America. Now, no. And what Canada, they have a warning, uh, a travel warning for LGBTQ people coming to the United States. Of course, as they should. What's happening here in this country and to trans people especially, but all of the LGBTQ uh, community, uh, they've put targets on everyone's back. And, you know, this wonderful woman who was an allied mother. Oh, God, I can't. Nine kids. Yes. And uh, owned a store and and a friend of Carolyn Strauss, good friend of Michael Patrick King, shot dead because she had a gay flag outside of her her shop not gay it is an ally shot dead who cares who fucking cares who you fall in love like what what i never understood like i have a partner and kids and we live in our apartment and they go to school but how does my life have anything to do with your life down the street, like what right. I'm doing with my kid, like how does that have any effect on you and how you're bringing your kids up? Well, it allows people to feel superior to, right? And some people feel so powerless that they look for people to be superior of, you know? Right. I, I don't know. It's it's so horrifying. It's hate. It's hate. It's hate. It's just the oldest hate and the and the racism and the anti-Semitism. And the xenophobia. It's like we're just a hate. They're just hateful. Yeah. You and wrote a wonderful. Yeah. Well, you wrote a wonderful book about when they come for the comedians. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that was really well received. People loved that book. Yeah. I, it, people loved it and that it became a show. And now I'm hopefully touring the show and I'm going to come oh, to LA. That's great. Hopefully. When When are you doing that? I don't know. The spring. It's so hard to. The theaters are not doing well, Rosie. I know. It's hard times, you know. Here's the thing about the book I wrote is that what I couldn't understand is like a comedian tells a joke you don't like. Mm -hmm. They should never be able to get on stage again. But politicians who literally incite violence, Mm -hmm. disparage people, spread conspiracy theories, they their First Amendment rights are protected because they're powerful and yet right. you're going after the comedians who tell the truth um and it's really it's terrible i mean comedy stand up comedy is the is a direct extension of our first amendment rights here i mean yes. what other country sends comedians to their embedded military to make them feel better right you're so right We're like it's a part of our culture yeah, so and true. And you're attacking us and the gays and all the people who make your life better. Yeah. It's so true, you Judy. fucking it, assholes. It's so weird to be this age and fighting again for abortion rights. It's so weird oh to be 62. God, I know. 
uh, going, what is this? It's like chutes and ladders. We hit the the chute and went all the way down to the bottom again. How did this happen? Where are the women's, you know, screaming in the streets and stopping working? And, you know, I I don't know. I we've been lulled into complacency and all of this hard fought rights that we won are just being pissed away. I mean, that's the one thing I don't think my mother would even be able to deal with is the abortion situation. Right, right. Her sister's alive and she can't fucking believe, like it's, you know, they fought for that. Yes, they died for that. The misogyny is, but they hate women in this country. Yeah, I agree. I agree. This is a really positive. um. (laughs) Judy, well, you know, we we can always, uh, you know, uh, put a laugh track on for you. Would you like that? Yeah. There's good things happening. We just got to get, you know, through this crisis of... Right. Uh, and we got to get rid of these assholes. And we need, like, strong women. We need strong women think, and we need younger people. We need term limits. Yes, we do. We need age limits as well, if you ask right. me. And how is George Santos still there? What the yeah. fuck is that? Yeah, exactly. Why is he not, you know, ostracized oh, and... Because and, he's a vote for them. He's yeah, a vote exactly. and they don't it's want to get rid of it. They're so just bad. all, yeah, I can't. Listen, Judy Gold, I love you. I, I love uh, you so much. You are one of the, um, you know, there's been a, three women, I think, who've really helped me through my career. And you were the first. Uh, it was Margaret Cho and you and Pamela Ablon. And without, without the support of, you know, these women, I, I you know, I don't know where I'd be, and I have well, to say thank you. Well, you know what, honey? You, you support women, and you do so much for gay people and for marginalized people, and you got a heart of gold, Judy Gold. Oh, thanks, Ray. You Ralph. got a heart of gold. Uh, so we'll um, we'll say goodbye, but uh, where can they find you on the Tiki Talk online? Well, you know, I'm at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, because I'm Jewish. And or judygold.com is J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D.com. And that has all my dates and everything. All right, great. So go like find it. her there. If you haven't seen her live, please do it. Please. It's hysterical. I'm really funny. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I love you. Say hi I to the I love fam. you. Okay. I will. Same to you. Bye. Bye. Okay. We're going to take a little break and come back with voice memos left by you, the listeners, that I will hear for the first time and respond to. So thank you so much, everybody who's been sending those in. Optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. 
It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, well, here we are, that part of the show where we get to hear from you, the listener, and I'm very grateful for all the messages, most of them so unbearably sweet. It's really touching, I have to tell you. Um, but any comments, questions you have, hit me with them, and we got one right now. Hi, Rosie. My name is Jill, and I live in Mount Vernon, Washington, just north of Seattle. And I wanted to say to you that I so appreciate how you talk about Dakota and um, hearing parents talk about the incredible gifts and the joy that their child brings to them who has a disability or who has autism just is amazing because I have a child with autism and when he was diagnosed, I was devastated and had no picture of what the future could look like and was just in uncharted waters and, and had no idea about the incredible person he was going to grow up to be. And he's 21 now and he works and he rides his bike and the bus and he is charming and sweet and wonderful and so smart. And I wish I could have seen when he was diagnosed at age five, what he is now because it would have reassured me so much and you talking about Dakota the way you do and lifting them up and appreciating all of the wonderful things that they are means so much to parents like me who may not know all of the joys and the wonder that can be a part of having a child with autism. And then I wanted to ask you, um, I've heard you refer to Dakota as being autistic, and I always prefer to use the terminology, my child has autism, just because, I don't know, it just kind of bugs me. So I wanted to just point that out and see what you think, and thank you again for sharing your experience with your child, because there's so many of us who don't have someone to talk to or any reference for it. And to hear the love and appreciation you have for your child is really inspiring to me. Thank you so much. Bye. 
Wow. Thank you, Jill. What a beautiful, beautiful message. I remember the panic and the terror I felt when I was told that Dakota had autism at about two and a half. And um, I knew something was up. I totally agree with you that I sometimes do say my kid is autistic as opposed to my kid has autism because they are not autistic only. You don't want to be identified by the thing that is uh, maybe different in you than other people. And I think that's a very good note. And I am, I'm so grateful for the autism community of autism mothers that I've become friends with and really uh, feel that I'm surrounded by people who get what I'm going through. And it, and it's so lovely just to pop in and, and listen on their lives and respond to their beautiful videos where they too are seeing the beauty and the uniqueness of people with autism. Love to you and um, drop in on my TikTok. Thank you. Thank you very much. We got another question coming in right now. Hi, Rosie. My name is Andrew. I'm 43 years old and live in New York City. When I was 11 years old, my mother took me in 1991 to the baseball field in Evansville, Indiana, in my hometown. And I was just told it would be a special day. Uh, it turns out it was a casting call to be extras in a league of their own. Next thing I know, we're in a trailer putting on clothing from the 1940s and they usher us up into the baseball stands and we had a lot of instructions on how to behave and how to act that day. And we were not supposed to ask for autographs, but during a break, I did go down. I was a young kid, so me and a few other kids made it down to the dugout and we were trying to get people's attention and you were there along with, we could see Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, Madonna, we were trying to get autographs and you were so kind. You were the one that came over to us and spoke to us and got to know us and were just really nice to us. I have vivid memories of that interaction and you took my popcorn bag and you helped me get my autographs. And it's funny, 30 years later, I, I don't care about the autographs, but I'm so glad that I had that interaction with you because it's funny, you know, the other three actors were probably super exciting to me at the time, but little did I know it would be you that would have the positive impact on my life growing up as a gay kid in the 90s and trying to find my footing in life and being able to watch your show and listen to you be truthful and honest about your life and as a comedian. So I'm very appreciative of you and I feel like I've known you all these 30 years. So thank you for everything. My question is about filming that movie and what it was like. I have a lot of memories that day of, you know, from Penny Marshall to the cast. And is, are there any stories or anecdotes you can share about working with Penny Marshall or filming baseball? Um, that would be great. Thanks, Rosie. Oh, you got me all choked up. That was so beautiful. I had such a great time on that movie. It was my first really big movie. I did a a little film before that, Car 54, Where Are You?, which wasn't ever released until way after League of Their Own. But League of Their Own will be always my favorite movie that I did because of the friendships I made and the people I met. And I miss Penny Marshall almost every day I think of her. And, you know, really 
breaks my heart that she's gone. Here's a story that I, I don't know if I've told yet, although I'm old now, honey, so I might have told this story, but this is a good Penny Marshall story. First of all, every day at about three o'clock, she'd scream with her shorts and her muscle top, um, Bonnie, get me bacon. She got a plate of bacon every day at three o'clock, crispy, well done. And she would just sit there and eat the bacon every day for like an hour. And one day we were filming the scene where the little boy, Stillwell, gets hit by a baseball mitt and then he has to fall down. Now, by this point, I was kind of the Stillwell wrangler because he and I formed a friendship and we liked each other and he would always look for me because he was only like five years old, you know? So he would look for me and I would like put my hand to my mouth like I was eating the candy and he'd look at me and he'd do what I was doing. And they hit him with the mitt and he kept flinching. And they hit him again and he flinched more. And they hit him one more time. And Penny said, what are we going to do? We can't, like, the kid is, like, blowing the gag. He can't know he's going to get, I go, he's five. He doesn't know. I said, let me go talk to him. So I did this and I feel guilty to this day. I walked over and talked to him and said, how you doing, buddy? He's like, it wasn't too bad. I'm like, great. You know, here's the thing. We don't have to throw them in anymore. We're just going to do the lines. Can you do that? He goes, yeah, for sure. So I go, just do the lines and don't throw them in. So we did that. And he was so happy. He was like, didn't I do great? I'm like, yeah. I go, we're going to do it one more time, just like that. And he says, okay. So Tom throws the mitt. It hits the kid. He has a total look of being shocked because he did not expect to be hit by the mitt. And then he looked at me and I fell down like he was supposed to. And then he fell down. So what you see in the movie is this cute little boy mimicking what I was doing. But the the thing that broke my heart was after it was over, I ran over and he hugged me and he said, can you believe they didn't tell us they were going to throw the mitt? Oh, it killed me. I broke his trust, you know. But um, I loved Penny. I loved little Stillwell, you know, Madonna, Gina Davis, Tom, all still friends of mine, all still people I see and love. And it's a great life and a great career I've had. And to hear from people like you about uh, how I've changed their their lives. And it's very overwhelming and it's unbelievably touching. So thank you, honey. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Next week, Amy Nelson. Who is Amy Nelson? She's the mother of four little girls. She's married. And Amazon is suing her husband and has been for many years for a violation of his work contract, which the judge already said he never violated. So it's a fascinating story. And she makes it Easy to understand, but you still will be shocked and appalled at the lengths Amazon has gone to try to get this family to admit guilt when they had none. Um, Amy Nelson, next week, right here. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. TikTok, you don't stop. Oh, onward. Here we go. Bye. <laughs>
The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.